Welcome to Neoweek Audio, a collection of podcasts and Twitter spaces produced and curated by Neoweek, the number one news and community platform for the Neo Protocol and the Aurora ecosystem. At neoweek.com slash podcasts, you can find every interesting audio piece from the community in one place. We curate content on topics such as DeFi, NFTs, gaming, DAOs, community hangouts, and more. Basically, we got you covered near fam. And without further ado, let's dig in. Hi, how are we doing? Elton, can, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, perfect. Okay, great. Um, let's get started. Um, I think we can just dive right in, uh, I guess, with our Prominent Voices series. Uh, well, let me just start by saying hi, everyone. Um, so I'm Hero, Editor-in-Chief at NAIR Week. Um, we do the official NAIR Protocol Newsletter, and we have like an open source aggregated community newsletter and we discover news in the ecosystem. And we've been starting this Prominent Voices series where the first um, guest was David Weinstein um, at Near Foundation. And today we're very lucky to have with us Alton. So uh, Alton, do you just mind giving a brief introduction of what you do and sort of what your role is at Near Foundation and then we can just get started. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm Alton, I'm the partner engineer at the Near Foundation BD team. Uh, I work uh, in two streams now. Uh, obviously, it will change uh, quite um, 
differently over the last couple of months. But mainly what I did is first integrations, like when we onboard a partner, um, how do we onboard them to the near protocol? Um, and then the, on the pre-sale side is I, I kind of help um, some of our team members pitch near. So why near question? Um, and mainly that's because the, the way I got hired in the foundation was through a hackathon, right? So I, I won the NearCon hackathon last year and that's, that's how I got into my near journey. So, um, but yeah, I should give you a sort of a short introduction as to what I do. Great. Yeah, excited to dive in. Um, I think there's a lot that someone like you has to um, share, but also curious to just hear your uh, personal thoughts, right? It doesn't have to be too um, formal of a space. Uh, I guess the goal is sort of after we can just um, have like a, we'll have someone, uh, we'll have Beat actually, I think he's in the speakers, yes. We'll do like a brief write-up and then we'll have a sort of an, a small op-ed regarding you and your views on um, on near open. Sounds good. So um, excited to get yeah excited to get started. Um, we have quite a bit to cover. I know we both have our hearts up, so I was thinking, I'll just sort of dive into the the most relevant topics, and it will be a bit ad hoc. So don't expect like to go all chronological if that's okay. Ah, that's totally fine. Okay, perfect. So I thought we might as well just start right with your role as a partner engineer. Um, do you just mind expanding a bit on sort of how you get started at, at Nearcon, right? Or what you just mentioned and uh, how a software engineer transitions to um, BD. So sort of what, what happened to make that switch and yeah. Yeah, um, that's a good question. So I had I had a bit of a interesting journey. Um, so my background is I studied computer science in college, uh, computer science and mathematics. So I was pretty much interested in research like Ilya does, right? So I've started with with biology research where I was you know, looking at um, how to model biological structures, then ended up, I was I was in love with virtual reality in tw- between like 2017 to 2018, um, had everything, right? So like the Oculus Go, Oculus Rift, all sorts of other, other sort of devices. And, and I ended up doing research in avatars, um, you know, published a couple of papers there. And then potentially was really interested in always in, in, in you know, simulations, uh, virtual reality. Uh, and that dragged me into to my master's where I was just studying robotics, but robotics in a sense of um, how do I try and train something in, in, in a simulation, right? So rather than training a robot in, 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 uh, in the real world, how do I train them in a sort of a game-like environment and transfer that model slash robot to, to, to the real world without any um, any sort of training uh, in the real world. So that was a fascinating problem. But when I look back on my journey, um, you know, starting with with biology, uh, which was a simulation again to, to virtual reality and, and training models in a virtual world, I always been fascinated by just, you know, virtual, uh, virtual environments. And to me, crypto was that way, right? So like, how do we create a, um, sort of this virtual world that has incentives. I mean, you played games, whatever, but eventually you start to ask these questions from different angles, right? Economics, uh, technology, whatever. So that's how I ended up uh, with, with crypto in 2021. Um, and unlike everybody else, right? Like studying computer science in, in undergrad and, and master's, I ended up actually in a, in a VC fund, uh, which in 2021 was pretty common. Um, because there, there were a lot of VCs that popped up, um, I guess, since t- t- 2009. And, and, you know, ended up 
learning about crypto there a bit more fundamentally and ended up investing into a couple of companies. Uh, one of them is called Zample in, um, in Southeast Asia. They, they used to be something like MoonPay, but then they started to be more like a cross-border payment. Um, after investing into with, with, from Antler, which was the fund that I was working at the time, um, I started literally going, going around hackathons. And the first hackathon I did was um, ETH Warsaw Hackathon. Um, I, I teamed up with a couple of um, couple of people there, and then we we actually ended up building a company called Xerox uh, KYC, which raised I think two hundred k. Then I ended up um, not becoming a founder in that project. Uh, I still didn't feel like I wanted to be a founder. So then I started going to hackathons, and Nier was one of the first ones, one well, the second one actually I've been. Uh, through Harshit, whom I met in a Discord, and and he was like, "Hey, you should, you should, uh, you should come and do this hackathon." Um, and that's how I ended up in Near, uh, mainly that. Uh, and I, I love the fact of you know coming from a technical background, having Rust as a um, you know smart programming language rather than Solidity was was pretty awesome. And um, and that's you know I was I was very kind of fortunate enough to to be in the foundation since um, since November. So that should give you a bit of a journey as to how I came to the foundation. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it also helps me realize that my intro introduction was a bit weak, right? Um, I guess, you know, like the start is always just slightly awkward. But um, oh, okay. I think the reason also, yeah. I think the reason I also asked you, Alton, was because, um, well, I've been, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of builders on, on there, right? And a lot of very talented and just interesting people. And um, everyone sort of has their own take on what near is, what the bus is, and how to sort of realize an open web vision. And I know, uh, you know, uh, David always takes like a very more philosophical approach. Yeah, David is a philosopher. Sort of... Like, I like, I like the way he talks. He's a, he's a bit of a different approach than I do, right? So, and, and yeah, that's, that's interesting. Definitely, exactly. So I'm really curious to sort of um, delve, delve into that. I think that's sort of the, you know, the, the insights why um, we do these sp spaces as well. I think there's a lot of builders that are just very interested to hear what, you know, everyone sort of has to say about where we is heading, where we're going, just, you know, as, as a people, as a community and the ecosystem. Um, so just regarding, like, you know, you gave a great overview. I'm, I find it really interesting that um, so many people I hear have like have been onboarded at physical developer events sort of to to near so um yeah this is a bit off topic but i think that is should be a core focus of uh where we dedicate our time and energy because i think there's a lot of talent there um as we've just seen with sort of your story um but regarding sort of yeah your academic paper that you sort of mentioned um i'd be really interested to to hear if you could just expand a bit more about um well, you, you've briefly mentioned your, you, like briefly outlined sort of your transition between biology to VR to um, like uh, sort of virtual robotics, right? But how does this all tie into um, near outside the hackathon? And how does your sort of interest in, uh, your interest in these different fields, um, which seem to be maybe three to four, how do they influence your interest in just open web and open source technology? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, th there will be a couple of different sort of angles to take this, right? Firstly, um, as I said, like that work takes me to think about 
creating virtual economies, right? I mean, if you if you read sort of and and nation states in in the reason why I love crypto is like you kind of create a nation state in in. In, in, in the internet, right? So you, you have, you don't have a virtual reality per se, like you don't go to a, I don't know, a virtual environment, but potentially you've created a very important thing, which is just assets, right? Living, living in your browser, like doesn't have to live in your, obviously your, your game environment. But um, as, as a technology, the way I think about near, I mean, let's go back to the sort of the start of near, right? I mean, the way I, before sort of jump into to near, I, I read the white paper. I think idea as a sharding has always been our narrative around like 2020 and 2021, where you know we're one of the first sharded blockchains, uh, and you can see this in our sort of main main uh, like yesterday, right when when we had tons of accounts being created and those almost like a million accounts transacting from a one application doesn't impact the rest of the the rest of the ecosystem. So. That was my main sort of having that vision realized, like using EVM before. I love Ethereum. I think Ethereum has a very sort of core um, importance in our um, in the Web3 space, right? But Ethereum, EVM has also problems, um, not only from a scalability perspective, but also from, you know, from EVM being an insecure virtual machine. Um, and taking that and, and you know, re- reshaping that was, was quite interesting to me at, to come to near in the first place, right? Namely, uh, cheap data, you know, you can store your data. And with that comes with obviously creating open web, like doing all these decentralized front ends that no other ecosystem is able to do. Uh, but taking that, I think like evolving, this is my view of, of, of the open web and near blockchain in the future is to like, Open. We've done a lot of great things. I was just actually creating a presentation internally, right? We've we've had sort of uh, developer royalties, like thirty percent developer royalties. You know, we had account abstraction first. We had all these amazing tech like sharded blockchain, um, and there's there's a lot you can find like web you know web based wallets before when everybody was like dealing with uh, injected wallets like um, like MetaMask. Uh, I'm literally going to open that slide. What I've written there. For, right, so we have a VOSM execution environment. We have sort of this JavaScript and TypeScript SDK that nobody has, and now it becomes. I think it becomes a point where okay, we have these great things, but how do we work with other ecosystems? Obviously, Boss to me plays there, right? Like, how do we leverage these protocol strengths and um, and allow others to kind of learn from us and work together with us to to build for the for the vision, right? Because I think not only us have the open web vision, but also, you know, Ethereum and the others have that vision too. Um, I think like working together as to realize how, how we built that future uh, is, is my sort of thesis on, on near um, and mainly my, my thesis on, you know, the other things that, that you can care about you know, on near is that it, how do we always improve the protocol, right? And how do we improve the protocol such that um, we have the best experience possible. And, you know, boss is a start, right? Boss is clunky, obviously, but like if you, if you try to build a decentralized front end, it's not the best experience, but we'll get there, right? It's not it, building something that's from scratch is not easy. Uh, it, it will take a lot of effort uh, to, to get to version two, version three, version four. Uh, it eventually we get to some, some place that, um, that is, that is kind of stable. And just reminding that like near protocol took almost two years, you know, from the, sort of 2018 fundraise to 2020 main net launch. Right. So, um, but yeah, those are, those are some thoughts around, around, um, 
around Nier and then how sort of I got interested in Nier coming from that background. Um, and mainly also like Ilias, you know, I've, I've read my master's main sort of main uh, work is, is visual computing. And when you learn through that, like we were, people were already using transformers at the time. So when I learned about Nier, like hearing Ilya being one of the co-authors of Tensions All You Need, which is a paper I've read in 2020, was, was pretty fascinating. Uh, so that, that was one of the things is like the, the technical acumen of the team that built uh, Nier was, was quite interesting to me. Uh, and, and that pulled me in as well. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I think maybe um, it'd be cool if you sort of expand on that slightly in the area that, I guess one reason Elton, um, I mean, uh, we've asked you to also just, you know, come on, was I find it really interesting how you sort of, you know, in your own sort of top pieces and uh, explorations, you delve into just a lot of other blockchains as well, right? Um, and a lot of sort of other just more open source concepts um, just outside there. And I was just wondering, how do you, because you've, you've touched on like the, the protocol strengths, right? And how Nier has actually been quite advanced from the start, right? We, we've had a construction since the start. We didn't right, call it that. And um, so in, in, in that sense, we compete on the protocol level. But when it comes to sort of the Nier as, as the boss, how do you sort of view um, the boss um, developing from here, right? In let's say the same time span that you've mentioned for the, the you know, protocol to... Um, like from the white paper to mainnet launch, give it two years. How do you see the, the near BOS ecosystem um, looking like? And how do you sort of see it fit in with the wider um, Ethereum ecosystem? Because that's something that you've, you know, touched upon that near is very similar in sort of ethos and mindset to core Ethereum values. Um, but of course, we're also layer one blockchain, right? But using the bus, we can expand. So I'd love if you could sort of touch upon the interoperability there and how that how the boss would fish, uh, sort of function from a BD perspective. Yeah, from the BD perspective, I think we've done a couple of things, um, sort of like taking the boss as an interoperability layer. Um, you know, we, we've been working with Orbit, obviously, to build a gateway for them uh, and obviously taking them to sort of how did, they can build uh, more things on the, on the blockchain operating system to decentralize. Um, and hopefully we can... We can get a sort of the V2 of that um, as we as we work towards it. Um, mainly thinking about, I think this is also the community's role uh, and also also our role when we go to ETH global hackathons or the things like that is true, is to push and tell people, hey, you can build decentralized frontends on your, oh, you should build your, um, you know, try to build um, your, your, um, your, website on near and and we learn from that experience right i mean maybe at first people will just say hey like you know i don't like this experience like it's 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 fine but then we take that feedback and and, and build upon it right or like um mainly just just building and and working and collaborating with others right I mean, not only in our ecosystem but also mentioning to other people that we have all these great things and and sort of creating the hype around it in some way because you know like people um, like people don't know a lot of people still, although maybe it's because of our bubble, we, we, we shout out about, you know, decentralized front ends, but you really have to like tell people when you go, Oh, we have these decentralized front ends too. Um, so I think collaboration becomes, becomes a bit of like introducing our concepts, not only in a way of like competitor, but more on a like collaborator as to, Oh, like your front end code would never be um, shut down because it's, it's actually, uh, validated by um, 
by near validators, right? I mean, you can also do this on IPFS or other things, but they're not validated. Um, and you know, we're going back to that again. Like if you if you if you're seeing about the recent white paper that Vitalik and others put, like people are thinking about how do we do with tornado cache again, right? How do we sort of build uh, privacy on chain? And in that case, like front ends become again important. Um, so how do we how do we build that is is uh, is how we collaborate and mainly like the other the other way I tell people is like building bridges is tough, but building interfaces is easier because like if you can just combine those experiences and, and components and and expose them, you actually don't create bridges. You create sort of like multi chain uh, front end experiences, which is which is way more secure, and that that's what you can do in the blockchain operating system as well. What I love to see in the future, and this is when the, when the docs are available, is is to sort of I've been in contact with Tezos or others that that want to expand the boss and and, uh, and and doing that actually not only from the foundation but from everybody that has friends. I don't know any blockchain that you can think about, and pushing that is is something that we can do. Hundred percent. Um, actually, that's why I told, um, I think it's a jump DeFi guys on on their protocol, right? They have like, I don't know, they're working on like a mantle integration, and I was telling them also like, don't you know, don't wait for for the foundation or, um, anyone else to sort of go reach out to the mantle ecosystem, right? Just if you're already sort of um engaging with that community, then bring them on, bring them to the bus, like teach them what we have. Um, I think just there's a lot to cover, right? So. Um, I think also regarding your decentralized, your front end, how we really um, sort of are learning from our the experiences at, at these hackathons. Um, I know that when we went to the East Global um, Paris hackathon, um, we sort of found that interoperability was also at the, um, now with the BOS at the sort of hackathon level, right? Where the, the near track is now sort of compatible with all the tracks because we can just be like, hey, um, just deploy the front end then, um, you know, of your, let's just say, like, uh, I don't know, the, like, gnosis, uh, gnosis tab, right? And to just deploy the front end then on, on the bus, and then you can have, like, your two sort of hackathon competitions. Um, I think that was, like, a great way to get people interested in, in, in sort of in, in the near ecosystem, and so I, I can definitely empathize with that. Um, I think something else that you, you've sort of been touching upon, and I've sort of been including in the links here, just for the audience here, if you are sort of more interested to learn about some of the things Alton has mentioned, right? Well, if you go to the very first linked tweet, there's this great thread by Aunt Sun uh, with the sort of the, the yellow profile picture who does the most amazing sort of uh, homegrown threads and content and detective work now too. Um, and he's, so he's sort of done this massive thread exploring how near really is it like a digital state, uh, a digital, di digital nation in his own words. And sort of the implications behind it. So, if you're more interested in how Nier has really been positioning as an ecosystem to become sort of the digital nation of digital nations, go check that out. Um, if you're interested in sort of also the, the marketing perspective from Nier and the sort of you know how we can best market our core protocol functionalities, um, there's this sort of nomination by Bowen, um, head of protocol Pagoda, who's sort of touched upon this. That's the second link tweet. And then the third one is the Urbit partnership that you've mentioned, Alton. Um, I think instead of just focusing on now just the boss, maybe we can sort of touch upon um, a question I just asked a bit earlier, but we didn't really touch upon more like a personal question. Um, how do you like the sort of three to four fields that 
you've engaged in previously um, that could contribute to your perspective of where near should go and where just open open source ecosystems should go? Yeah, I think I think there's certain parts um, where sort of near could go. Um, from my interest, interest, um, I've always been sort of wanted to see near do more AI things, and I've, I've mentioned this to India a couple of times too, right? Like, how do we, how do we, um, and I have a couple of sort of articles and, and and thoughts everywhere as well on LinkedIn and Twitter as to how we can. I've not been public about the AI things as much as I wanted to because there's too much hype and I don't want to get deep too into the hype, but mainly thinking about like how how we govern these things. And the other problem that is very important is authentication. Obviously, there's ways to do it without a blockchain too, but writing everything, writing important piece of data and getting that validated is very important, right? So I want, I want us to sort of in the community to, to kind of, take more initiative on that too. And that's, that's the community as in including myself. Um, and the second part is like, I guess, how do we, if, if this is a nation, and I think like thinking about, um, I've not been public on the NDC discussion, but, you know, taking small portion and starting and seeing how, how government funding could, could be helpful for the ecosystem is also, is also something valuable. Um, given I'm in the foundation, I'm not too, too you know, um, I've not been touching that part as much as I wanted to, but um, mainly I think near protocol evolving to be decentralized, not only uh, for, for important applications like AI and governance that we talked about, but also just by general, like decentralizing every part of the stack, right? I mean, just uh, just to think about, you know, near near is like, if you've read, read the Masar report about um, evaluating um, sort of uh, some of the, I think the name is, evaluating um, validator decentralization, like not only um, decentralizing that part of uh, near is very important as well. Like how do we take those validators? That's something I'm, I'm passionate about, mainly increasing our Nakamoto coefficient, getting more sort of execution and consensus clients built in, right? So that we were decentralized on the, um, not only on the governance and, and application side, but also we can, we can decentralize the protocol as we as we talk to more and going back to the blockchain operating system right as we talk to more ecosystems we'll get the questions of like how decentralizes your protocol right and that's that's something that we we should be able to answer with you know we, we decentralize everything starting from governance to to the protocol um that's something i'm excited about um and let's see how that comes up and the sort of the next to two i think it's going to take a lot of time like next to one to two years or more a lot of time is in is in the crypto landscape obviously um it's it's very interesting right um sort of how i guess it is the true like there's not a lot of web3 ecosystems in my opinion right that try to um, push decentralization that aggressively as a on like older levels right right it's the ecosystem the governance um I think Nir is very ambitious in that. So hope you know, hope you succeed. It's very interesting to hear. Um, I guess your perspective on that. Would you? Well, just on a side note, talking about sort of decentralizing the whole stack, not just the front end. There's this meme. I've, well, I guess it's a meme, right? But this tweet I've posted by um, uh, sort of uh, plug right at at Banyan, and I, I minted that as an NFT on the bus, and then sent it to Ilya. Um, 
but that's just like a side note about centralizing the whole stack. Um, I, th I think I would be really interested to hear, Elton, your own vision um, regarding how, how would you say, just in your sort of, I guess it doesn't have to be like a grand vision, right? But in your day-to-day -day life, like how does your past experience from, you know, your interest in biology, um, you know, translate back to, um, to, to sort of the open, I just, let's call it the open web ecosystem, right? And then I just mean with a focus on, on, on there, um, including also, I guess, um, virtual like augmented reality would be interested as well. Yeah, I think like mainly, I grew up in Turkey, right? And, and I mean, Turkey is a beautiful country. Um, I think um, I've had an amazing childhood. You know, I had a lot of fun. Um, it's always sunny, not like London, where I live right now. Um, so, but the problems, obviously, if you, if you grow up in emerging countries, right? I mean, there's, there's a couple of people that are, that control the funds and control, control the governance and it's, it's in some sense. So I've always liked the, the vision of decentralization. Um, then I, you know, I read, I read a book called, which I actually still have it on my, on my, uh, on my desk, which is called the, the Age of Surveillance Capitalism. It talks about how the internet has also became centralized, right? Talks about Google creating the ads. Um, fig actually, Google figured out in 2009, I think 2009 Super Bowl that people in, in real time were asking queries about a certain event, right? And then they started to say, well, you know, we can, we can sell ads on that. Um, and then obviously everybody knows the Facebook story um, and, and the rest, uh, there's probably a lot of stories that we don't know of. Um, so coming from growing up in Turkey and then thinking about um, technology become, and I read this book when I was in master's, right? I, um, and, and coming to that in terms of technology, which, which is the world I live in mainly, right? All of us are crypto nerds and that tend to, even though we go to real live events, we tend to spend a lot of time <laughs> like on a browser or, you know, on, on, your, on our computers, uh, like having that centralized was a bit bothering to me. Um, and then sort of taking that to um, and seeing that happen and the same thing, although I think virtual reality is a bit of a, longer vision but uh all the devices that a lot of people use are controlled by facebook all the data that you probably provide like virtual reality is even more scary right uh because well you can they can track where you look at and then they can put an app on there you know that's that's the main things about uh, the technology stack that's becoming centralized and have impact on our on our behavior and um and thinking um and that's that's all you know that's something I'm, I'm passionate about to see in the world is this whole um centralization to decentralization and obviously there's always like you can argue that fully decentralized model doesn't work either so you kind of need to on the stack right like you can't just create a million validators you create i don't know 200 validators right there's always a spectrum um and and coming to that, like I think my experiences of 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 these things, like growing up and, and my experience with technology, um, and then seeing like also the AI the same way, like I use OpenAI. I've tinkered with a lot lately, uh, like thinking about you know how to build, even in the foundation sometimes, even though I don't have the time, like just creative thinking is to so many tasks could be could be reduced from like 10 hours to a one hour task uh, if the right uh, technologies are built. Um, so that, that stack is also centralized, right? It's only open AI, obviously 
Now, it's quite interesting to me that Facebook, who had the scandals, is now trying to do open source models. Um, and and, and on that spectrum, like, I always look at sort of where the, if it's decentralized, like who are the, how do you build incentives around that economy? Um, and all these, all these things I mentioned, like coming from government to technology, as it sounds like virtual reality, AI has some sort of um, centralized powers in it, right? And, and that's, that's, that's my main sort of vision uh, for, for near and in the long term as well. Um, I'm quite younger than other people in the foundation. So it's a, it's always a sort of a work in progress, but uh, mainly uh, that's my, that's do you my mind goal. if I, do you mind if I ask how, how old you are? I'm, I'm 25 now. So I, this is my like second job. Yes. Yeah, like two years into, uh, two years into my um, full-time experiences. Uh, if that makes sense. Let's go. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm 24. So, I guess we're about youngings, right? Yeah. Especially compared to, yeah, the ecosystem is full of, well, just not OGs in like the um, age level, but everyone's sort of experienced, I feel. You just have more experiences, right? Much more time to, and, and a lot of us, like I'm, I'm, I'm being genuine here. Like for me, education was very important. Education was my way out of, you know, um, way out of sort of things. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then you kind of spend time on that and then, potentially get somewhere um but yeah it's kind of it's kind of interesting though that i was i'm I'm actually at my sort of friend's house at the moment and i was explaining it to him what the you know what the hell we're doing on there with that the NC elections like trying to explain it to someone doesn't even know crypto right Mm -hmm. um and it was kind of interesting when i explained to him that um this this meant that people like me could run you know besides um, someone like Marika for the same position in a, a list, right, with 15 people, sort of. And this, like, someone like Marika obviously has, you know, the most experience out of out of anyone. And you don't traditionally, like, he was just, I didn't really realize when I was explaining, right, but he, he sort of caught on to that. And I realized that, yes, this is something that, I guess, it's very interesting how, um sort of just like crypto allows for that right it's a lot about it's not really about age or contribution but more about um, i mean guess what it is about contribution definitely but it's not really about age but more about also mindset and willingness to contribute and ability and i don't think that's necessarily linear yeah. with, with with age yeah. it's so fast as well like compared to my friends who work at big tech you know, you sometimes like there's just too, too many things happening at the same time, and and that like has a lot of impact. Uh, I've I've seen psychological impact on some friends that work in crypto too. Yeah, no, definitely. I also kind of what was I? I'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit sleep deprived at the moment, but it will come back to me. Um, I just had a comment regarding the I think the NDC elections. Um, do you mind just sort of um. I think maybe we can, you know, while also trying to remember the, the question that was on my mind for the past five minutes, um, do you mind just expanding a bit more on your um, your journey from, you've covered, you've covered Turkey now? Mm-hmm. Um, I know Turkey, I believe it's the, please do correct me if I'm wrong, it's the Lira, right? Correct. Um, yeah. The, yeah. Do you mind maybe expanding a bit on your journey from Turkey to the US and the UK and um, maybe touch upon sort of the, the, 
the you know state type currencies because you have like three very interesting ones right with the pound and the dollar and the, the lira yeah and sort of how that yeah. yeah that's a good journey so um i remember when i was a kid like 2009 2010 turkish there was actually very strong against the the u.s dollar i remember at the time being like uh first time went to the u.s like we were able to afford a lot of things right so because lira was one one dollar was equivalent to one oh like one ten um turkish lira in 2009 to a point of when i finished high school um so went to an american high school and then got a scholarship to the united states so that was around like two to 2.5 range but when i went to the us and that's when the sort of the the things that started to fall apart in turkey like from two to i started seeing four and five and then eventually like when i moved to the uk it was five and then you see sort of this hyper um hyperinflation hit in and and now currently if i look it up i think we've seen uh one usd to tl we've seen roughly around 26 27 so one usd uh, is equivalent to 27, or approximately 27 Turkish lira, right? And that has a huge impact on how people live, you know, things like I was talking to my dad uh, this morning and, and he's just saying like people just don't put price tags on, on goods, right? Because uh, you, you'll have to change if you have 80 to 90% uh inflation at certain times like it, it's like it's like every time you hit that exponential curve and every time it's just like um you can't really put price tags and people start to sort of tell you goods based on how you look right tell you the price uh, which is which is not a good market state that you want to be in um but um mainly yes yeah, so i've seen i've seen all of it like Tur- turkey is a, still a beautiful country i think it's still sort of a place that i'll, I'll love to end up in at some point but uh, the, the problems are the problems are real in terms of economy. And you go to the United States, it's it's a different story. Obviously, U.S. has sort of different parts, uh, but uh, mainly it's way more wealthier. You know, accumulated lots of wealth from from just having a lot of natural resources uh, and having the U.S. dollar as well. Um, um, but yeah, that, that's that's sort of my understanding of these three currencies and in my story around it. Do you have any sort of thoughts on the, um, I, I actually studied in London, right? And I, I guess I just graduated on, on a, like two months ago now. Um, it's just, I, I had to take like an extra year. So it doesn't, it feels like I've been graduated for longer, <laughs> but um, I was in London too, right? And it's uh, it's a bit of a mess there with the pound always. Uh, you touched upon the, the United States and the lira. Is there anything you um, you've sort of noticed about the pound? Yeah, pound is a bit, used to be stronger, I think, like it used to be 1. 1.6, 1.5, 1.6, around like 2015, 2016. Yeah, well, obviously, like pound has seen some inflation um, over the sort of the last year, uh, seeing around like 8 to 9%. Um, actually, this it still should be 8%, uh, more than the US dollar. Um, but I mean, you, you see this, right? And in, in pound in, in the UK, people have this problem as well with uh but the cost of living, like if you if you end up living in London, you almost pay. I was just chatting to some friend from SF. You almost end up paying similar sort of rent, um, rent like San Francisco. Not as much as like you know that's. And then salaries are lower, and then pound is like become 
that's strong. So people struggle with that, right? I mean, and again, tying up like all of this is, is this one of my thinking around crypto is, you know, the more inflation you see, the more sort of speculative assets come to play, right? And, and uh, or like hedge against inflation yeah. comes to play. Yeah, no, definitely. I think open source seems to be the only way to do that. Um, regarding London, I just completely get it right. It's also why I, I live in the Netherlands now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm based there. But part of the reason, uh, I guess I am Dutch, right? But part of the reason I just came back was because I realized that graduating from London, right? Like it's when you when you study, you can make these sort of um, commitments, right? Because for education, but the moment you need to get, let's um, just call it like a web two based job, right? Like a physical real job, not like a digital money job. Um, and you're tied to the location in London. It's just you. It, it's like you have to then live sort of so far away from the center um, to make it like affordable, usually to just the the job that you're getting in the center. And it just creates this really weird dynamic, right? Like sort of you've also outlined, but just the 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 living, you know, just the, the cost of living being way too high to the sort of geographic, you know, the geography of London. Because the moment you sort of take the tube with like four stops um it just becomes a bit unfeasible in my opinion but yeah i guess that that's sort of i, I just empathize i empathize with that and i do think so, sort of like these digital um going back to the, the comments i forgot due to sort of my own sleep depri- deprivation right um i was one of the reasons i started the the, the prominent series was because i realized that a lot of these spaces that we have in the new community and we truly are a community, right? There's like so many just cool people um, I've met in the ecosystem. Um, they're always about shilling. Uh, they're, they just always end up being about sort of shilling, but not necessarily in a bad way, but it's more if you're a product, um, you're obviously going to talk about the product when you're put on the spaces. Um, if you're like uh, running for the NDC elections, you're going to talk about your own view on, on the NDC elections. It's only natural. But I think if we want to truly be a digital nation, right, then we need to be able to just also have conversations about, you know, just your thoughts on things and um, sort of your own, our own personal experiences and where we want near to go. So that sort of back tying in um, why I got you on the space, um, just to provide some context there. Um, I think so. If we, um, I don't know if there's uh, anything you want to touch upon particularly, but I thought maybe it would be interesting to sort of um, take a step back and go back to, you know, nearing the bus and the sort of rate of development there, which is truly, I, I think it's kind of insane, right? Every time you, you check, there's new components, um, new new DAFs being built, new gateways, new partnerships. And it's not just uh, like, just there's like partnerships at the foundations, Urban one, right, like you've mentioned. Um, I know you probably have so much more in the, la- la- um, in the lineup, including, you know, your own partnerships that you're sort of forming yourself with your friends. Um, uh, I guess those are the, those are sort of the most heartwarming partnerships, right? Where you just build with like friends from different ecosystems now with the boss. Um, but if we sort of have a look at that, um, what, what do you think is sort of the the, the the next step there? Because I I don't think you've sort of um, outlined specifically what you think about the Ethereum ecosystem moving forward in relation to Nier. Um, do you envision sort of uh, the boss being more like Ethereum centric? moving forward or what is sort of your approach to BD um, regarding regarding the boss from like a central point of vision um, taking away sort of decentralization? Yeah, I think I think mainly 
I, I, I agree that it, you know, it, it, it is, it is both right. And some can't say cases like you have, we have our sort of important things that we built and we, we can, we can build upon that. But the reason why I think Ethereum is very important to, to work with is because um, outside of our near bubble, right. All of the attention is, is on Ethereum mainly because of, I guess the, we've always mentioned, I honestly, this is my personal view that I believe that horizontal scaling is a better approach than, um, than vertical scaling, right. Um, Rollups are, quite hard they're segmented and that's one of the reasons why i came to uh, sort of the uh pre-boss era of of neo protocol is is to have everything on a one layer where you know you can you don't have the problem of talking one app that lives on optimism to that lives on other arbitrum and it's like hard to kind of um hard to you have to use a bridge to do that right so that was my main vision but now that it's i guess so much happening like we have obviously so much happening on in, in our side, but also there's like a lot happening in, in the Ethereum side. And, you know, how do we, my vision of the boss and, and you take, you know, our cheap data, our, our, our JS SDK, everything that we, we created, how do we work, you know, decentralized frontends? Um, how do we work with um, Ethereum um, rollups or things that market has favored over the last year, right? Uh, that's my certain view on 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 the blockchain operating system is that we've created these amazing things. How do we help others to achieve these amazing things? Um, and I'm passionate about that uh, mainly because I, I think I like Nier as a protocol, um, and uh, I would want others to know about these things as well. You sort of um, um, let me see how can I how can I best phrase this um, regarding I think it's gonna be hard for me to ask this question because I don't truly really know what the best question is to ask her so let me just phrase out the topic because um, my field I, I I went to Kings and London right and I studied English literature so even though I am sort of in my field I guess um, a bit I'm definitely not in the engineering field. Um, uh, or I have been in the robotics field or anything technical like that. Um, I've I've been cooking up these apps and components just using GPT-4, right, with the new um, code read feature and sort of getting, uh, doing it very manually that way, not even knowing any, how to read any code. Um, it's been the most inefficient process ever. But um, I was sort of interested, like I asked Sun also what, uh, what questions, you know, would be interested to sort of ask from a developer perspective and, um, I think it would be, you know, we have like now the, the, the JavaScript SDK and whatnot. We have um, Boss supposedly, um, correct me if I'm wrong, right? But it's running like in a React environment, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, it's close. The React is not there. I think it has a VM 2.0, but uh, it has like a basic JS, like a vanilla JS functionality. Um, obviously, the future vision is to have like, look as closely as possible to the sort of this web two experience, which I mean, React is one of them, or you could be, React has just a bunch of different libraries, you know, that, that people spun up over time. Being able to use them is actually would be, would be awesome, right? As, as, uh, as seamlessly as possible. And JavaScript SDK is the thing that you mentioned, right? It's like one thing that um, you can just read it easily. And um, if we can improve that further, you know, you can, you can have 
people just writing JS contracts. Obviously, the problem that becomes like if everybody writes JavaScript contracts, like how do you audit them? But that's that's something we can think further down the line. Obviously, um, but yeah. How do you think? Um, do, do you, have you seen like a lot of adoption just of the JavaScript SDK um, since the implementation? Yeah, so I've used it a couple of times. Obviously, there's problems around the JavaScript SDK, right? It, it's a bit more expensive to use it. And there's the, the, the complex things is, is, is easier to build in, in Rust than JavaScript. But that's because it's a harder problem. Um, but I've seen people use it. And I've, I, I was actually like um, a lot of different people. I went to Imperial College London for my master's. Um, and when I gave a sort of a short workshop there, like I use JavaScript because I know like everybody is, is capable. Like if you come from a CS background, like you can kind of, you've touched JavaScript at some point or TypeScript uh, versus like Rust is something that's just a bit new. And um, a lot of people uh, in industry love it, but it's still not taught in schools. Um, so it's a kind of a common ground, right? Like you start with that, obviously that's your entry point to the ecosystem. Then eventually you can say, well, you know, um, this is kind of not as functional as I wanted. So then you go to kind of ramp up to, to Rust. At that point, you're kind of in the ecosystem, right? So you kind of play with the um, play with the smart contracts and, and things like that. Do you think, um, like, do you see a vision? I guess there, it will be to some degree, right? No matter the time, but do you see like a vision maybe where no code solutions become um, so efficient on the bus? Um, because of just the easy, you know, the, the easiness, that's not a word, but um, I just forget it, it's not a word, but the easiness to sort of um, fork these widgets, right? And like make these steps and sort of spin up your own components. Do you think there is like a, like a, there's a vision of near, um, the, the BOS of near where does anyone in the community is sort of spinning up steps because no cloud solutions have gotten like to that degree? Yeah, definitely. The only way I would do it is definitely audit it. So that would, would be actually awesome. And when you look for components, uh, let's say you're trying to build a multi-chain swap, which is pretty easy, I guess. You build it and then there would be like five, six different components. But there's one that's just been audited by um, by someone that we, we all trust, right? And then you can, you know, you can, you can do that obviously without looking at the code. The problem with blockchains in general is just, you know, you don't want to, use every code that's out there um so you need to be kind of cautious but I, I see that vision and i think i think that's what this whole like low code um ecosystem is about right yeah it's 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 incredibly like just efficient and easy now um i i i can't actually remember near now without the bus right <laughs> that sounds crazy to say but it's like what were you what were, what were honestly doing right um I got, I guess, I got sort of a more um, like sort of just laid back questions. I'd like to hear your um, own personal opinions on um, what I do. If anyone wants to like ask Altum any questions, right, just raise your hand and um, I'll get you on. So I just thought I'd mention that. Um, but I, when I went to East Global Paris, right, I asked sort of um, some of the builders in the ecosystem where they see it so near in twelve months, because I feel everyone's vision from there is slightly different, and. Uh, one that really caught my eye was like uh, Vlad's right, uh, Vlad from DevOp, who sort of was mentioning that he really sort of is championing uh, championing subs subscription models on the bus, right, as a way to sort of bring back um, 
like the concept of like the 30% revenue on the smart contract, but sort of make it on, you know, on gateways and components, how to have like a way to at least monetize this. So it's not like the meme that near intern posted on are probably good ones with the one developer and then like everything's built on the, the that one developer's line of code, but he's not getting anything um, from it. And I was just, I saw, I think Vadim has now like a widget where you can actually subscribe to like, well, I guess like Twitter Blue for near social, right? Where you get your own verified check mark and you pay like, I don't know how much near a month. So I guess there is already like a subscription model implemented. And I was just wondering what, what's your sort of take on, on that from a gateway and component perspective? Do you think that's the, the way to go? Um, or how, how do you sort of look towards that vision? Because it's very like open source BD oriented, right? Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Uh, I mean, it's also kind of a concept that we've started with uh, with NFTs, right? If you if you transfer, if you if you sell these on a secondary marketplace, should the creator or the get royalties, right? I mean, that's the that's the main argument. I think there's two sides to that. As a developer, I would prefer because I would prefer the royalty structure to me, right? Because that creates me um, sort of incentives to build more components and incentives to build more useful components um, if I'm getting something out of it. That's the main thing about bounties in general. Um, and again, right, I mean, obviously we have this on a smart contract level or for the near um, blockchain, why not have that on the on the boss, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I would be quite supportive on that front. Uh, in an idea like that. And regarding sort of, um, I think, okay, I don't know if we who, sort of, I don't even remember who sort of, which entity is pushing this in the ecosystem, but I believe there's sort of division to eventually find really, like I, I think ways to just at least leverage fast odds that we can like completely abstract away the, um, just a bit more of the traditional Web3 experience, right? Um, I mean, we've seen it live now on, on the near.org gateway and um, it's been usable um, to some degrees, right? Like it's been very easy to set up the account, the fast out, um, but I, I believe, you know, there's limitations regarding um, I'm human verification at the moment with Solvent tokens and like, um, I, I, you know, the, the ability to change back to a seed phrased um, wallet. But once those are sorted, um, the possibilities with fast out are almost quite limitless, right? You can really start ab abstracting away um, a lot of the traditional Web3 experience that's very clunky and that makes the bus clunky. And I was just wondering, um, do you have any sort of thoughts or visions regarding um, FastSalt or do you see maybe more solutions that could keep on um, coming to play like just for onboarding, for, on an onboarding perspective? I think they have different use cases, right? I mean, FastSalt for me is, is a bit more of um, how do you simplify the login experience which is not great for a lot of people i honestly like before even fast thought i mean th this was one of the reasons why i landed on near protocol as well is that do you have the web wallet experience and when i actually interacted with it in, in the hackathon you can just say well login with near and then it, it you know it, it creates like a kind of like a login um, interface and then you select your account and say continue and then you know you you run the application so I, I really like that experience and I think fast out is like version two of that experience coming from the historical concept to now uh, versus keep is to me more of 
Um, you can use it to, you know, create tickets, create anything that you, you, you know, you want to claim it. And if you went to a, some random event, right, you can um, scan that barcode and, and claim an FD or claim a POP or all these things that um, makes some of these applications crypto friendly. Although it's not, you don't even understand it's crypto at the, you know, if you're just scanning to get in to an event. So I think they have, they're complementary rather than, um, you know, um, conflicting uh, technology. Um, but yeah, everything has its own, you know, sort of, you can also use FastDot to do things like, I don't know, sign up on your phone and create an experience like friend.tech on your phone, right? There's cool things too you can build. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I guess um, I mean more from an onboarding perspective. I've been, I guess onboarding is the wrong word, but just from a um, bus, like a blockchain operating system perspective, right? Um, if you consider like just everything on there part of the blockchain operating system now to some degree, and you look at fast out as a um, as a tool to leverage that, what would you think of like the concept of? Um, I think you know we've seen it recent like. Um, I think I said the, I forgot the NAP name, but you know, with the not allowing um, Ethereum wallets to be created on on there, um, so we can really sort of enhance the the near wallet experience. Would you see a, like a vision where you can just log in with your email and you have maybe multiple sort of wallets behind the sort of behind the you know behind the doors that you don't see, like a maybe near wallet, like an uh, sort of Ethereum connected wallet, layer two connected wallets that. Um, exists on the bus and that users they just you sort of see their email and are able to interact with all these steps would you see that as a um, as a viable solution or would that be a bit too optimistic maybe I think near one is quite easy <laughs> given um, you know given given it's pretty cheap to create a wallet and you know you don't obviously so on, on near you pay used to pay um, full on some small amount of fee for, for, for storage. Now it's reduced. So like now up until I think 700 kilobytes, which is quite, quite a good number. Um, you actually don't have to pay that storage fees. Um, so it's quite easy to create that experience on here. My only concern is if somebody gets in with the email, let's say they create an Ethereum wallet, but then in order to interact with Ethereum mainnet, right, you just have to pay tons of money. All right, so who pays that? Like that's the that's the main thing, um, and then I guess layer twos is a bit of an easier problem because like if you interact with base or other sort of um, layer twos, you don't you pay a minimal, um, you know, very small amount um, to interact with the layer two too. So that could be possible, but then obviously then you could build a relayer to to kind of uh, relayer means like you can um, sort of um, put some funding. By, by the developer to pay for the gas fees, right? Um, so we could do that for like layer twos, uh, but layer one is quite tough, I think. I think I see a vision where you can interact with with a layer two and uh, and, uh, and near, or maybe other blockchains too that are um, high performance. Yeah, like that makes complete sense. I didn't even sort of think of that. Um, okay, so I know we both have a hard stop. I'm planning to get that buzz up because I know he always has like very good questions. Um, just before I do that, do you mind maybe saying in like one to two sentences, just oh, what what do you love most about Nier and what would you like to see more of? From my perspective? Like, what do you think we can do better? Yeah, yeah. What, what, love, what do you love most about the ecosystem? It could be anything from like 
you know, mint based to just like a, a, a small feature? And what would you like to see more of? I think we're, I think we're quite friendly ecosystem and quite optimistic ecosystem as well. Um, but what I'd love to see from, from our ecosystem is like, how do we, how do you involve others? Like not only, it doesn't have to be Ethereum builders. It, it can be like people from Solana, people from anywhere. Like how do we make them excited? And that's something I'm, I'm always thinking about as well. Right. It's like, how do we get these people in uh, on board to the blockchain operating system? Cause it's, it's, it's quite a different vision than others talk about. Right. Um, how do we make them excited? That's the main problem, but that's the main important thing for me. Yeah, cool. Um, I think we can like definitely sort of explore that and sort of these hackathons, right? And listen, especially with listening, right? And approaching other ecosystems, listening to what they have to say. Um, I think that's the way to go about this. Um, okay, I'm gonna get DevPos up. DevPos, do you mind asking like the most to the point question because Alton has a very hard stop. Um, Alton, feel free to also just leave it if it goes over time but yes i, I can was, say one um, two more minutes for yourself okay perfect that was your up hey uh hi hero thanks for bringing me up and thanks to uh alton for you know spending the, uh, the time with us uh the community and you know sharing your insights with us your experiences so yeah i have a specific question for you uh which i really wanted to ask you before but yeah i have the opportunity now so what are your thoughts on having a permissioned uh, token standard on uh, like a permissionless blockchain like near because i think that opens uh, the capital markets uh, to you know uh, to fully uh, to come on board with full compliance and you know build products for the ecosystem and that you know assures in like a lot of people so what are your thoughts on this do can we have something like that there is something like calimero or more like a standard on the the public chain like uh if I have to put it like, let's say like a standard, like on uh, Ethereum, we are we have something like ERC-3643 uh, or something, if I'm not wrong. Uh, so that, that clearly defines that, you know, it's like a permissioned DeFi standard. So it, it's more, you know, compliant. So something like that. What what do you think? No, I think there's definitely space. Um, not only from, this also plays into sort of how do we bring institutions on board to, 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 to near. Uh, we, we buy, like, this is from, from the foundation perspective, like whenever we see permissioned anything, we just say, Hey, we have a private shard, so you can go to Calamara and then figure that out with them. But I'm, I'm, I'm open to like getting that as a, you know, as a native on near too. Um, I haven't, I haven't read the, what's the ERC you said? ERC three. It was ERC three six four three, I guess, uh, that defines the standard, and uh, it it was active. Like one of the projects brought it, and then they were like, uh, you know, brought into uh, the Ethereum, uh, the main chain. They were like verified later on. So I think it opens up to you know like a lot of use cases, like real world uh, assets, you know, which is a big thing right now. So yeah. yeah, I mean that's my thoughts. Yeah, feel free to share it with me. I think it, I mean, it could be cool. I think three six four three sure. TRX token yeah. regulated exchanges, right? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's perfect. Cool. No, yeah. that's that's super interesting. Awesome. Okay, hey, um, Alton, just want to say thank you so much for coming. Uh, I think it was really great that you had the time to to share your thoughts. Um, I know a lot of us were excited for this, and I just want to say again, thanks for coming and sharing your thoughts. Um, is there anything you would want to say as um some parting words? Oh, thank, thanks for having me. This was a fun conversation. And thanks, everybody. Definitely. Next month, we might get um, uh, Chronos.
microphone you're on, right? So we should actually just invite you again too as a speaker if you're available. No, that's super fun. He's 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 a good friend of mine, so <laughs> it's he's a good guy. Um, but cool, awesome. Thanks, guys. Yes, sounds great. Hey, take care, everyone.